Hello and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I'm Greg Fisher and I'm joined by Louisville Metro Government's Chief Equity Officer Kendall Boyd. Kendall, I hope you had a good Christmas and you're looking forward to a good new year. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Mayor. I had a great holiday season, uh, you know, safe and healthy, of course, with the social distancing and the mask, uh, given all that we've got going on. But yeah, had a great end of 2020. Looking forward to a 2021 now. Well, what a year 2020 has been. We're going to talk a little bit about that and what to look forward to in 2021. And we're kind of changing roles now that I guess you're going to interview me. Yes, for, sir. For the program. Yes. And, you know, well, speaking of 2020, uh, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about this pandemic that we've been dealing with over the last, you know, might as well say year now. You know, um, it's been very different than what we were expecting one year ago. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the challenges we face? Again, the pandemic, uh, the economic downturn, advancing racial equity, unfortunately, the violence in our community, things like that. Well, it's been a year like we've never seen before. And when you take it, all of these challenges, once in a century pandemic, mm -hmm. the economic recession that's come from that, the cries for racial justice like we haven't seen since the civil rights era of 1968 that are deservedly in place right now. And then this increase in gun violence that we're seeing here in cities all around the country right now. And then some other cities are finding big climate change challenges, which we have not to the degree of raging wildfires in the West or superstorms in the East or flooding in the Midwest, but we, we might be next for something. We'll see. But if any one of those is an extraordinary challenge in and of themselves, but when you put them all together, it's been a very challenging year for the citizens of Louisville and certainly for us here at Louisville Metro Government, but we're leaning into them. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't change kind of what happened, but we can change our reaction to that and how we build plans for the future. So. I'm optimistic that the city of Louisville is resilient. We've got good people here. We're fighting each one of these challenges. We've got plans and investments we're making to counter any of the negative effects and or the opportunities they create. So I'm looking forward to going into 2021 with a renewed vigor all around the city. That's right. We don't have any other choice but to, you know, just keep going. That's right. Now. So, well, let's start with this pandemic. You know, COVID-19, as we sit here now, has claimed over 300,000 something American lives. I think the last uh, stat I read was what some 10 to 11 million Americans have already been infected by this by this virus. You know, we're nine months into this. Right. So how do you think our community partners um, have done and our community have done? And what can we be expecting over the next few months? You know, we just got a vaccine two, you know, two vaccines released to the public and things like that. You want to speak on that? Sure. I mean, the pandemic has been a real challenge. It first appeared in Louisville that we know of in March and we've been fighting it now for nine and a half months. And it's been a real slog, mm -hmm. not just for our community, but for the whole country. We've had over 600 deaths now in Louisville. Each one of them represents a person that was loved and is now not going to be at the New Year's table. So it's very painful from that perspective. Uh, but in terms of how we've responded as Metro government, obviously from day one, or before day one, we stood up our emergency operations center so we could have a comprehensive plan to attack the virus. We did that through communications. We did that through testing. We did it for tracing. Now we're doing it with vaccine task force and communication to make sure that we get enough people vaccinated so that we have herd immunity, not just here, but all over the country. So the good news, if there is any now, is a vaccine is here. Okay, and the priorities for that are our healthcare workers so that they can be healthy to keep delivering care. And then our population in our long-term care facilities, which has contributed two thirds of the deaths from COVID 
from long-term care facilities. So the concept is, is if we can keep them healthy and out of the hospital and our healthcare workers are healthy, then we have adequate uh, hospital capacity to deal with people that are inflicted by COVID. So mm -hmm. it's something I wish wasn't here, but in terms of dealing with it and methodically and based on science and communicating about it constantly, I feel like we've done what we could do and we've put our resources in areas of the community that are disproportionately impacted with the infections in particular black and brown communities. We haven't seen disproportionate deaths here in our black and brown communities, which we have seen in other places around the country. So we, we think and I hope it's because of our health equity practices that we have here in our city. Right, right. So, but I'm looking forward to getting to the other side of this, Kendall, I can tell you that and hopefully that'll come sometime in mid to late 2021. Great. Yeah, you know, I think the rest of the community is looking forward to that as well. You know, not only are there health impacts of this virus, you know, the economics of this virus are just horrific. Um, well, and you know. what they're doing to retail businesses, to restaurants, to foot traffic, because of mm -hmm. teleworking that's going on is kind of reordering the economy right now. We received our second round of stimulus from the federal government about when a vote that took place around, you know, 10 days or so ago. Uh, which is good for small businesses and good to prevent evictions from taking place. It's only been pushed out a month. I'm hoping the Biden administration will be pushing it out either further because people have got to stay housed during this pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, unemployment insurance is coming back, not to the extent it was, but uh, nobody caused this pandemic to happen. So the government's, federal government's the only organization big enough to come in and backstop this. But it'll be reordering our society and we'll be dealing with that for years to come. Well, it's interesting you mentioned reordering society. You know, we just got through the holidays. We didn't see a lot of the, you know, people walking up and down the street with the packages and, you know, the Christmas carolers and things like that. So, you know, how do we get back to that sense of quote unquote normalcy after this is over with? Well, job one, right, it's, it's got to be over with. We got to get through the virus because we know the virus doesn't move, it moves with people. So people understand that now. So there's keeping a much lower profile both at work and then community activities like you have. So we're gonna do everything we can in terms of throwing our resources at this to make sure that people understand the sacrifices they have to make now so we get through the virus, so we can get through that better tomorrow for both social reasons and economic reasons. Another part of this, you mentioned, you know, the racial equity impacts that the virus is having. Uh, you know, you signed an executive order a few weeks ago um, that declared racism a public health crisis. On your last podcast, we actually had a conversation around that. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I'd encourage you to listen to it. And you set out some steps about advancing racial equity here in our community. Can you go into a little bit more detail? What did the city learn about itself, you know, after the unfortunate Breonna Taylor tragedy and the protest for racial justice? Well, this has been a year of reckoning for the whole country. and if we can get anything from a tragedy like Brianna's uh, death, it is to make ourselves a more equitable city. And by that, I mean investing in places that have disproportionately been disinvested in in the past for institutional racism, or basically it's part of the history of our country. And so the reaction from the executive order has been really interesting. Uh, there's been a bunch of people that have stood up and said, great job. And then there's other people that have been uh, condemning the action, you know, saying we're not uh, racist. It's like, look, we're, we're a country that's a result of a system of institutionalized racism, racist policies. So you can look at it from a housing standpoint, education standpoint, healthcare access standpoint. That is just the history of our country. So we can change that as well. So I'm leaning into kind of the excitement and the opportunity 
and we've developed all kinds of plans and have already invested in these plans with more to come around small business, uh, eviction prevention, public safety, education for kids with our Evolve 502 wraparound services, college scholarship model, uh, more affordable housing. You know, it goes on and on. It's very comprehensive. So I've been uh, really encouraged by kind of the positive reaction to this. And we've seen a lot of people participate both in individual actions, corporate actions uh, from community ph philanthropy. So uh, there has never been this amount of talk about equity and racial justice. In 1968, in the civil rights uh, era back then, and the Kerner Commission clearly spelled out what we needed to do as a country. Uh, but America dropped the ball. And basically we've got countries that are, or segments of our country that are unequal and they're separate. And that is not good for Louisville, it's not good for America. I think diversity is our great competitive advantage when we look at our country versus other countries. So I'm encouraged that we're seeing investments in conversation and we're gonna to have to keep at this for an awfully long time. Absolutely. And you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, when you and I have had conversations around racial equity, you know, sometimes you say, look, I'm a middle-aged white guy. You know, what do I know about, you know, you know, encountering racism and things like that? Can you explain a little bit, you know, how has the Breonna Taylor tragedy and the protest for racial justice and advancing racial equity, how has that impacted you personally? Well, I've always been conscious, obviously, of racism. And we, in, in our administration, these past 10 years have, have invested in areas that have not been invested before by the city and record amounts of investment in West Louisville, for instance. But my learning is we need to do more and we need to go faster. And we now have the community support, I believe, to do so. So in terms of uh, personal learnings, it's, it's one thing to, where you think that you've been doing a pretty good job and you've done what no other administration has been done before. But then we have the national reckoning that came with the protest summer of 2020 that was accentuated even more in Louisville because of Brianna's tragedy to where you say, well, yeah, we did more than anybody else before, but it's not enough. And so rallying the resources of the Metro government, all of our partners, our media attention that we're getting around that is something that we've doubled down on and we need to do more and go faster, frankly. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and I think part of that is, you know, the community relationship with the police department. Um, you've mentioned before, we're, we're still searching for a police chief. I think you're on the cusp of finding a new police chief here in the next couple of weeks. Um, there's still a top-down review that's being finished up with the LMPD. So can you, know, can you explain to the public what's next for public safety? Sure. I mean, one of the things that came out of these high-profile incidents uh, this summer with black Americans and police uh, organizations is uh, nobody argues with the fact that policing needs to take place. It's how it takes place and what defines police community legitimacy. And that can only be uh, administered in the eyes of the community that sees a co-production of safety as something that is owned by everybody with the police being part of that. So what we've done is take several reform steps uh, in that regard, top to bottom review of our police department by an outside consultant. I wanna know areas that are working and not working. We are on schedule with our new police chief search, be announced sometime in January, a new uh, police chief. We've also passed a civilian review board now that's gonna give more transparency into what's going on with allegations of misconduct with the police department and the office of the inspector general that's gonna be working with the board to administer that. And then many different kind of internal process improvements around search warrants, uh, use of force, et cetera. So there's a lot 
going on in that area already. And the uh, police officers uh, like this, I believe, is what the feedback I get from most of them because it increases police community legitimacy, but it's change. And policing and the culture of policing is changing all over America right now. So some city's gonna get that right. Uh, my hope is as we go through all this tragedy is that Louisville will stand out as a city that's not afraid, it's not in denial, it's leaning, learn, leaning into all these areas of improvement. You know, tragically, as we make these changes for 21st century policing and, and the results of the top-down review, we're seeing increased violence in our community, unfortunately, especially around guns, um, you know, especially in our West Louisville neighborhoods. Um, we're seeing young kids being killed by guns. Um, you know, this is a horrific thing. It's, there's no other way to say it. There's, this is a horrific thing. So can you explain a little bit about what's driving that and what we're going to do to address that? Now, this has been a homicide year, I'm sad to say, that's been unlike we've seen as a city, and that's nothing that I'm proud of or any of us are. I wish one person could be the solution to stopping all this, but we live in a state, in a city, where guns are open carry, so they're everywhere. And we've also, this pandemic has disrupted a lot of what we call protective barriers around young people, so schools are closed, community centers are closed, so opportunities were uh, system-involved youth or at-risk opportunity youth aren't having the type of interaction with adults that they had before, which then leads to boundaries not in place. So that's one of the reasons it's uh, behind all of this. And then, of course, you've got poverty drives a lot of this as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if people just say, go into a life of illegal activity because they can't make um, uh, 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 income on the other side of it for whatever reason. So we've instituted a program called Group Violence Intervention or GVI that's designed to put services around everybody so that they can have a productive life, have real open dialogue about the consequences of not having a productive and peaceful life. Hopefully that's a decision that they make and if not then there's the legal mechanisms to make sure that they're not a threat to broader society as well. So. This program's worked in uh, some other cities. Uh, we're hoping it will work here. And that, that's one approach. And part of this is what we, I do call co-production of public safety because it's a community-based program. So we need the community to be involved with us also to make Louisville a safer place. Yeah, I mean, community involvement's gonna be critical to address this gun violence. You know, without the community's assistance, you know, these horrible acts are gonna continue. So. I definitely would encourage our community to get involved in preventing this violence. So, you know, through all of this, what we've been talking about today, Mayor, you know, we've talked about the pandemic, we've talked about protests for racial justice, we've talked about gun violence, uh, we've talked about police reform and police safety. Through all of this, you know, Louisville Metro government has continued to provide, you know, excellent service for our community in a safe and healthy manner, of course, because of COVID-19. Can you reflect on those efforts that we've seen, uh, especially around, uh, you know, resiliency and community services, our safety teams and our park staff? Everybody has seen it. Uh, their roles change uh, in the COVID environment. So we've adapted to those roles and it's affected different departments in different ways for like resilience and community services. The amount of work that they've done on distributing grants uh, from philanthropic uh, sources but then also from government sources, like say eviction prevention. Uh, so tens of millions of dollars have been distributed out to hundreds and thousands of families to help them get through a period like this. 
parks department changes and that more people have moved outside for their recreation because it's not safe to be inside. So, you know, road closures at uh, Chickasaw or Shawnee or, or excuse me, Chickasaw, Iroquois or Cherokee parks, uh, for instance. So every part of Metro government has been affected in some type of way. But our job is to make it easier for people to get through the pandemic. And our public health department has been totally consumed by communicating about the pandemic, testing, tracing, now vaccinating and communicating so that we can get to the other side of this. So the pandemic has not left anybody unaffected here at Metro government, uh, cleaning up the city, all types of uh, challenges. So I really appreciate our Metro government workforce. We're smaller than what we were. We're down 500 people from several years ago. We've had to do that because of budget constraints. But that means it's a heavier workload on everybody as well. But so our team has stood up in a very difficult situation. And some of our frontline workers are obviously are out there and they're fighting the virus every day as well. So lots of challenges, but the Metro government team, I think, has risen to the occasion. Yes, and they've done an excellent job at it as well, I would say. So, you know, we're in 2021. What are you most optimistic about in 2021? Well, we're resilient, you know, so when you take a look at our basic economic underpinning, we're coming out of this year relatively strongly with our basic uh, strengths we have in advanced manufacturing, logistics and e-commerce and wellness and aging care, for instance. Uh, those s clusters have held up pretty well. So our overall economy has done better than what we thought it was going to do. So we've got to transition those into the next year. We've got to keep making investments in equity. We've got to keep having uncomfortable conversations around race and racism with folks as well. And then number one is we got to get through the pandemic, right? So make sure vaccinations are administered, that everybody that can take one takes one, that we stay safe with masking and distancing uh, in the meantime so that we can get to that better tomorrow that we all want. And it's going to be different than what normal was before. You know, the normal before wasn't as equitable as I hope the new normal is going to be when people are moving around the community again in the post-pandemic area. But there's going to be a lot of change. We'll be flexible and attentive to all of it and most importantly, work with our citizens to create this better Louisville. I'm, I've got a lot of confidence in our city. Cities all over America are going through the same challenges that we are right now. So it's not just us. So we've got to respond in a competitive fashion that makes us stand out. Yeah, well, I personally want to thank you, uh, you know, for appointing me chief equity officer and helping you through these, you know, troublesome times. And there's been good times as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm proud to be part of this work to help uplift our community because to your point, you know, we exclude others, we waste resources, especially human potential. And you really can't put a price on that. And so I'm looking forward to 2021, helping you and assisting you bring our community up, get through this uh, pandemic and make a more equitable community. So I appreciate all that you've done for us over this year. Well, I say amen to that. And Kendall, thank you for the great job that you've done with as our chief equity officer and keeping our city moving forward. Absolutely. So, so thanks everybody for joining us today. This is the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast, closing out the year 2020, a year like none we've ever seen before and hope we never see again. So happy new year as we look forward to 2021. Take care and join us next time.